0: We're in 2 Corinthians, and we're still in chapter 9, 8 and 9, deal with uh, giving. And a a better cause to give to is what we're looking at, staying in the fight of faith. And we're in 2 Corinthians 9. Last week, we ended looking at these two points. We kind of got through about the first 11 verses, and then tonight, hopefully, we'll get through the rest of the chapter. Um, We looked at how our giving will provoke others also to give. And that's something that, you know, I think all of us have experienced those times when, when people around you are generous, it, it provokes that generosity in you as well. And then your giving will bless others, all right? And it blesses you also in the process of that. And so the blessing comes back, as Jesus said, it's blessed, more blessed uh, to give than to receive. And there is that blessing of being part of a, a generous people and so tonight, we're going to pick that up. Um, and I'm thinking, no, we ended in point three last time. Sorry about that. And point three was, uh, you're giving, no, that's tonight. Excuse me. Your giving will meet a need or will meet needs in others. And that starts with verse 12. And I'm just going to pick it right up there and just read that one verse. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. And uh, looking at this, remember the context of this. Paul had written this follow-up letter addressing, obviously, uh, some of his own well he had defense of why he hadn't returned there and those things but remember he had asked them previous to this to receive an offering so that when he came or sent these men ahead they would be able to receive that bringing that back ultimately to the saints in Judea which they were experiencing great famine and poverty and trial and so that was the intention we piece some of that together from the book of acts we also see it in the book of philippians and we'll look at some of those verses tonight but paul uh, and again we're jumping right into this uh, tonight but uh, he talks about the administration of this service there was some order to it it wasn't uh, just a haphazard kind of plan but there was actually an order to it and he wanted them to be orderly in it and I think that's important that when we think about our giving that there should be some kind of order to it and that you know we regularly give but then there's times too when you see a need that might arise and you give right away and without even necessarily some, some thought to it beforehand because the need wasn't known to you. And there's both of those opportunities for the Christian, right? And I'm sure many of you have had those experiences maybe as a recipient or as a giver. And you see how that works. Uh, I had a friend who um, was a missions teacher in another college. And he always carried around an extra $20 bill in his wallet and he never would spend that, he would give it, that's what he did, and that was, he wasn't, he he always had that extra $20, and you know, when he came across somebody that had a need, whether he even agreed with sometimes the need and all that, he always was willing to give at least $20, and he he said the amount of times God had called him to do that was amazing, and uh, I think that that sure, sort of, should be that, there should be some part of your wallet that's just set aside for those kind of times when you can give uh, in in that way. But there's also this time where Paul says the administration of this service. And interesting word, the word for service there, it's actually uh, the word liturgia. And it is the Greek word that has the idea of a priestly service, right? We often talk about like in religious services, they talk about the liturgy or the order of things. Um, sometimes that might include a formal time of reciting things or some readings or those they often call that the liturgy and it has this idea of some kind of orderly service right a priestly service as it was associated in the old testament and that's what he says our giving should be like it's actually part of our service to the lord and it's a structured kind of service and that's what he was he was talking about now uh, I would just say that the New Testament does not teach us only to do things religiously, like this is part of how we check off our spiritual toolbox or whatever we, you know, our, our system of works. So that isn't what it is, but it is something that, is, that give, you give forethought to. Um, in the book of Hebrews, of course, the order of the priestly activities, which was a means of interceding on behalf of the people, uh, before the Lord uh, in the book of Hebrews it explains that those things could never take away sin and they were never something that was to really favor in the favor of God it was part of God's plan to show that the people of God had a service and they had a representative and you know in the New Testament one of the distinctives of this age is that as a believer you are your own priest all right you don't need another priest or someone else to go before you for, before the lord before you and uh that distinctive and that is you know based on obviously the the scriptures we have one mediator between man and god and that's the man christ jesus and we can boldly go into his presence right and we can plead before him and part of that duty in the old testament of a priest offering up sacrifices on behalf of the people has been relegated also to us now that we can do that before the Lord, offering up the things that we have, the material things. And in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible describes those things as a shadow of things to come. Right? For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Those things never perfected anybody for then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshippers once purified would have had no more conscience of sins but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins therefore when he came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire but a body you have prepared for me By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You see that picture of really that's what it's about, right? And every priest standing, ministry daily, ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified and the book of hebrews there clearly explains that the old testament offerings and sacrifices were all a shadow of a greater to come now with that as a backdrop that means that our giving in the age that we live in this side of the cross right is even more important it's more important to be gracious in that because it's not done out of the constraint of the law but rather it should be out of the love coming out of the heart. Uh, and, and we have been perfected in Christ, not in our giving alone. A lot more could be said on that. But we're called to offer up spiritual sacrifices in that. And uh, that's all part of that. Hebrews chapter 13 says this, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased and I, I uh, have said this before it's probably been a while now but when we were at Pasadamkeg Baptist Church um, I was pastoring there for about five years back in the beginning of uh, well almost 20 years ago now but uh I came there, and the previous pastor, uh, Dave Misho, who had been there, he introduced a little song, I I don't know if it was Dave, it may have been the guy before him, Rick Snell, Uh, but one of them introduced a little chorus, and they changed the traditional doxology, which I'm thankful we, I don't know, we we don't do that here, it's not a bad song, um, but it's just kind of a, you know, it's not as joyous as uh, all that, and you know what I mean, it's a good song, there's nothing wrong with it, and uh, it's your attitude with it, you know, and stuff. But changed it to the little chorus that says, we bring the sacrifice of praise. And we'd, and you know, when they took up the offering every Sunday, the people would stand up and they would say, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise. And then we'd, we'd sing it as a congregation. And it was exciting. And it was like, wow, we're giving and we're happy. And... I I, that always has stuck in my mind and it of course comes from the book of Hebrews that our ministry as Christians in our giving is a sacrifice of praise to him and the writer here says do not forget to do good and to share to share I often think of my mother when I was playing you know out in the sandbox or wherever else and my mother would say, share with your brother, share with your brother, you know, and that's kind of how the law lays it out, right? You're going to share according to these needs, but it was different when you actually had something you wanted to share, right? We should want to share what we have, and it shouldn't be a hard sacrifice. It should be a joyous sacrifice in that. First Peter 2.5 says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So that's part of our ministry of blessing others in that. And, by the way, it begins first and foremost with those of the household of faith. And that's what Paul says in Galatians. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Um, And then he says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, when it says therefore as we have opportunity there's there's two things there with that i mean there's the opportunities that arise but there's also the opportunities that maybe you specifically have something you can help somebody with uh might not only be material or money things it could be your time it could be your work in that but those opportunities are out there and i think as we have something in our hands whatever skill that might be we say lord how can we use that um these tools some of these modern tools that we have things like that what can we do and how are we going to use it in those opportunities arise but he says to do good to all and and that means all all right like if you have somebody that you see has a need he he may not be of the household of faith or, or they may not be part of your church or that but to help them out and we do that as a church we sometimes have needs arise in the community that we become aware of and And we've been able to send some money out. We're we're cautious with that, making sure it's not going to be abused or try to. You never know fully, sometimes, giving to people. Um, You ultimately have to give to the Lord and trust that he's going to use it. But also, this is the part, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That should be the first priority. Those within the congregation or within, not even the congregation, but within the household of faith. All right? You might hear of a need someone in ukraine and say okay how can we give i was blessed to follow i have a friend named ruslan um, i'm not sure if i mentioned him or not but ruslan uh, is a mission was a missionary with word of life in ukraine and neat story how the lord you know worked in his life because ukraine did not have its own bible institute with uh, the word of life or anything the ukrainian uh, churches sent a bunch of their future students, you know, or students off to South America and Argentina to the Bible Institute down there. And Ruslan was one of those Ukrainians who went and studied in the Bible Institute in Argentina. And there, there was a man named George or Jorge. He was of Ukrainian descent. And he had a passion to go back to Ukraine and start a Bible Institute there. So they had all these Ukrainians coming down there to study the Word of God, getting trained for the ministry. They went back and they started a Bible institute. And it was really neat because it's just, we would visit it out there, and we were just so, first of all, we just loved the simplicity of things. It was outside the city, and they had uh, taken an old camp that was there and renovated it, and just, it was really just nice little facilities that they had put together, very humble, And it was neat because it was truly an international group that was there. There were students that were from South America that were there. There were Ukrainians. There were people who spoke Russian. There were Germans that were there. And when you came to a church service, we stayed in a church service there one day, you had translators in the front row, and they were translating the message in like three different, four different languages sometimes. You could hear it. you know. And here it would be very distracting because we're not used to that. There it was very normal. I'm sure you guys had that too when you were in Russia. It was just very normal to have people whispering down here in the front all through the service, translating what the the person up front was saying. And I would listen, I'd hear Spanish, and I'd hear Russian, and I, I'd hear Ukrainian spoken, I'd hear German, you know. Well, and it just depended on who was up there to speak. And sometimes the, the preachers were speaking English. Um, sometimes they were, you know, anyways, it was just neat. Back to Ruslan. When he went to South America, he met a girl from Texas who was down there and of Hispanic descent, Rosia, and they got married and they moved to Ukraine. Well, a few years ago, they left Ukraine and they moved to the West Coast somewhere, I think, in Oregon or Washington, Oregon. And they've been there for those many years, and we've sort of followed them at a distance there on Facebook. And Last week, I see Ruslan is flying out of, uh, I think it was in Texas, uh, flying out to uh, Germany, and he was going to Ukraine, going back. And he was in Hungary a few days ago, and Budapest, and then he just got back uh, across the border about three, four days ago. And he posted today, or it was actually yesterday. No, we went Sunday, sorry. Sunday, he was at a church in Ukraine, in a very tough little city that is really facing some real hardships right now, and preached the gospel in that church. And it was about half the people in the church building were refugees, and he said five people trusted the Lord, five people on that Sunday morning. He was so excited, you know. And then he posts a little video yesterday, and he's driving into Kiev with these. Vans that they've purchased inside of Ukraine, these uh, cargo vans, and they're headed in, and all you see is single-lane traffic coming out, you know, backed right up, and they're going in to the city, bringing in supplies, doing that kind of stuff. And he's been posting little videos, and he's just saying how much he just loves doing this and and being part of the body of Christ, the brothers and sisters. And then today as they were coming out and they're traveling between cities had this empty van and they saw a whole carload of people like 14 people stuffed into a hatchback that's how he described it and they flagged them down and they brought them into the van and the people were it was all women and children pretty much they were just crying that somebody would stop and put them in the van and transport them along none of them had eaten in a while So Ruslan got on his telephone, his phone, and he started calling around, and uh, wherever the destination they were headed, there was a church there, and they arrived at that church, and they had hot meals all ready for them, all these refugees inside Ukraine, and it's just exciting to see when God's people get generous, and sometimes just their time, there's a lot of material stuff flowing in as well, and God's using it, and people are being blessed by it, and he hears Ruslan with this big smile on his face just saying he's so glad to be part of this and yet this awful horrible thing is going on in his country and in this world and yet as a Christian you can still be a Christian in bright light in the middle of that and uh, it just brought joy to my heart today to see those things and I'm, I'm off a little bit my subject but you know it is part of our giving our sacrifice of praise isn't it In 1st Timothy Paul reminds people with wealth to do good with that wealth and that they be rich in good works. And just like um you know in Paul's day and now there's people that have money and sometimes they're sitting on a lot of money. And you know I'm thankful over the years for Christians who have been able to get money, you know, and they've not just held on to it for themselves but used it and used it wisely. and and it's called being rich in good works Uh, and that's really what you really want to be known for is rich in that right ready to give willing to share and those two things should be our attitude always right ready to give and willing to share that doesn't mean you just go out and throw your money away either on every cause but there should be that aspect of a ready mind um When's the last time you woke up in the morning and you said, "Lord, um, let me give something to somebody today"? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I started. I asked myself that as I was studying for this, and I'm thinking, "Hmm, it's been a while. You know, I got to do that more." Now it happens. I come across those opportunities, and but sometimes I, what would happen if I asked, and then God would put things maybe right through you that way. Anyways, going on to verse twelve, uh, he says this. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saint, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. And that word abounding um, carries with that same root of, of abundance, okay? And when you think of somebody abounding, it's kind of uh, to be over and above. That's actually what the word means. It's parasuyo uh, and it means to abound, to be over and above, It's not just minimally meeting someone's need or doing that, but over and above. what, Because really that's how God is, right? He gives us grace in such a way, uh, and it's above and beyond what we could think or imagine. And I I think when we get to heaven, we realize what God has in store for us and waiting for us. What a joy it will be to realize how abundant he is has made his eternal abode for us Uh, i look forward to that in the meantime we we work here don't we that is a theme that abundance is a theme that runs throughout paul's writing here in uh, second corinthians in verse five of chapter one for as the sufferings of christ abound in us so our consolation also abounds through christ then in chapter 4 verse 15 he says for all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God that's abounding grace isn't it and you see that and then in uh, chapter 6 or chapter 8 verse 2 that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality again you see that there can be joy in the circumstances of this life even when you have poverty upon you and yet have that abundance of joy abounding chapter 9 verse 8 and god is able to make all grace abound toward you that you Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And I just like how Paul uses that word over and over again, right? In that. Well, your giving will meet needs, but your giving will, it should be two L's there, your giving will glorify God. And that's verse 13. While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. A lot could be said here on this but first of all there's an obedience to the gospel call an obedience to the gospel message. Part of the gospel message is that we have been reconciled back to God and we're to use that you know relationship as we have with the lord now to bless others and that's part of that and he talks about that um liberality of sharing that's the kind of good liberality that that needs to be there and again with them and all as in others that are blessed in that process as well abundance Your giving will glorify God. And of course, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your lights so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, when Christians are right with the Lord and their this part of their ministry is is evident in their life, it draws other people to that. Um people give to a lot of causes and they have different motives of giving. Sometimes people give cause their heart is moved for some need that they might perceive or see. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, um, sometimes they're giving more out of restraint. I mean, there are lots of religions that would say, give this amount. And you know, that's part of your duty or your requirement. Um, that's sometimes motivation. Sometimes it's because it's expected of you. If you're in a, group or something somebody comes to you and says i we're taking up a collection or donations or doing this and that happens but really when someone is doing it out of a heart that is joyous and wants to do it um, that draws people's attention Uh, and it doesn't mean that you're out there broadcasting that you're giving in these areas but there are times where your generosity directly influenced on someone else they get to see what it's like to be a christian Sometimes it's for the use of, in the sense of of reaching people for Christ. And uh, James reminds us of that, right? Chapter two, verse fifteen: of a brother, a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, "Depart in peace, be warmed and filled." But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? And uh, you know, others I've heard it said this that that. It, people will never come to the saving message of the gospel on an empty stomach you know and i don't know if never is maybe too strong word but the reality is this that if you're in a position to meet a material need that is a dire need like daily food right that has a marvelous way of opening people's hearts to the christian message Um, i mean why would you want to share some of your food that you have worked hard to to get with someone in need, right? There has to be motive behind it. And for the Christian, it's that charitable motive of love. And it doesn't demand something in return. And I think the history of Christianity shows that over and over and over again. If you take the last 2,000 years of history, and you look at the amount of hospitals that have been built And where people have come to those hospitals and been served and never paid for their services. I mean, I'm talking throughout all these years. And uh, those things like orphanages and whatnot. Why would anybody want to have to go out and feed kids that aren't your own kids, right? Well, that's the love of Christ. And you could go on and on and on. And we certainly could have more hospitals and more orphanages in our world and more ministries, and those kind of things. But James reminds us about that. And then, um, your giving will unite God's people. There is this idea of unity in giving. Verse 14, And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I love that because here Paul, um, he, he brings this back to the idea of the abounding grace that has been given. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. And if you're a Christian, that unites you with other Christians, doesn't it? And really, you have here a picture of... These were Gentile churches, for the most part, made up of Gentiles. There were some Jews in there as well. But they were taking up a gift to bring to Jewish believers. And in most parts of the world, even to this day, that does not happen. All right? You give to people that look like you, that speak the same language... You give to people of your own family, your own tribe, your own clan, whatever. A lot of people do that. But to give to a group of people that don't speak your language, that might not look just like you, that only Christ can do that, bringing people in and take Gentiles and have them support Jews and have Jews that brought in Gentiles and doing that the love of Christ Romans 15 Paul says but now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem it pleased them indeed and they are their debtors For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. And he says, there's a trade-off. You Gentiles, you benefited greatly from the Jews. They had the word of God, the the, the oracles of God. They had Christ that arose out of their people. And you have benefited because now you've been grafted in by grace to the people of God. And he says, now you're in debt to them. And they need your help materially. What a blessing, right? And it just reminds us that in the family of God, we are truly brothers and sisters in the Lord. And there is no distinction from the Lord. Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus if that message was accepted more in this world and at a heart level christians clutched onto that and then shared that with others and brought them into the fold you wouldn't have the racial divisions like they are you wouldn't have those big cultural divides those kind of things there's always things that make us different somewhat but i will just say this that in the in the body of christ when we're in eternity It's going to be one big family. Distinct. As John says, he saw people there, the redeemed, right, from every tongue, nation, tribe, and yet singing that new song of redemption. I think that's what our eternal home is going to be like. Well, how's your giving? What are your causes? Why are you giving to certain causes? All those kind of questions come out. Hopefully you're you're reflecting the grace of god in your life in that area father thank you for your word continue to bless it to us help us be obedient to the gospel and lord to you and lord give us opportunities to be generous with people that we might show forth the love of christ we pray that in his name amen